mother is bleeding. At least I have a husband, you know. Does anybody here believe it? So, um, we're back. Episode 27. We are both still slightly under the weather. I've been sick for three weeks. And he, yeah, we just can't. So my new thing now is to go swig straight from the tequila bottle about two, maybe three times before we start. And what are the purposes of that? Cuts through some stuff. Okay. A little bit. Mm-hmm. The burn. I feel like it cuts through some things. Okay. And then, uh, I mean, who doesn't like a slight buzz? <laughs> but yeah, it it seemed to work last episode until the end where I got that tickle. It, it does seem to control the tickle. Tequila, guys. Yeah. Silver tequila. Tequila? Tequila. There was something there. I didn't work Kill, it out very kills well. The t- kills the tickle tequila. Yeah. Yep. You were, uh, you got a PUI, a podcasting under the influence. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Deep diving, deep diving under the influence. You got a DDUI. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Just don't have me walk a line right now. <laughs> don't have a research a line. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Okay. So it is Thanksgiving week, at least here in the US. Um, I know our Canadian friends have it in October. Mm-hmm. Quite honestly, right now in this moment, I'm realizing I have no idea if the other parts of the world celebrate Thanksgiving. It is a North American That's what holiday. I thought. <laughs> so I was like, wait a minute. The pilgrims. I know. They don't <laughs> give a shit about the pilgrims in Belarus. <laughs> Anyways, so it's Thanksgiving, and if you're, uh, if you're in the US, maybe you're listening to this while you make a pumpkin pie. Mm-hmm. Or perhaps while you have your earbuds in to try to drown out the sounds of your very own drunk uncle. Oh, one um, of my favorite sketches. Yep, so good. Or maybe you're, you know, pulling out the Christmas tree. Either way, it's Thanksgiving week here. It's two day. It's Tuesday. Mm-hmm. I'm sh- hoping we'll get this out soon. Um. Anyways, so I needed to start off this episode with an apology. This doesn't happen very often. What do you got? Oh, making jokes. You heard it first, Mildred. You're funny. Uh, So I hope that people realize by now that I I really do strive to tell the facts. Immediately followed up by my opinion, but facts first. Mm -hmm. That's that's my goal, at least. And I I made a mistake last week. Uh Uh-oh. I called it the Spurgeon episode. I flip-flopped some kids. Okay. It should have been Meredith. It was brought to my attention. And here's the thing. I went off a list on the internet, and I completely admit I did not double-check it. I took it at face value. Well, nobody would put anything on the internet that's false, right? Never. Um, So these kids were flipped. So last week, I called it the Spurgeon episode. This should have been the Spurgeon episode, but... You mean the Garfield episode? Yes. That was a good comment. Mm -hmm. Our our friend Aaron said that Charles Spurgeon looked like the human incarnation of Garfield, and it's very fucking accurate. Go Mm -hmm. look at the visuals. It's the jowls. It's very accurate. Mm -hmm. Smokes meats, likes lasagna, hates Mondays. Mm -hmm. Yep. Anyways, so they're flip-flopped, but this week is the Meredith episode, or Meredith. (laughs) 
who is a Anna and Pest kid. Okay. Her they nickname her Dithy. <laughs> Isn't that an awful nickname? That is awful. Bad enough you got Pest <clears throat> as your dad, and then your nickname is Dithy. You know what that kind of reminds me of is Robin Williams Genie. Where he's like, oh, Aladdin, can I call you Al or maybe Din? Or how about Laddie? <laughs> she got dithy. She got dithy. But anyways, I hope that I didn't lose your guys' trust in me with my, ac- you know, I, I, I strive for accurate reporting. I hope you guys can forgive me. You know, oh. I'm just glad you put that out in, into the world so we can heal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It might take some time, but. It was a very um, courageous thing of you to do. Thank you. Okay, so Meredith, and this actual episode is called Lights, Camera, Duggers, and it premiered, premiered on March 3rd of 2009. So this episode starts at 6.50 a.m., which is very early in Duggar time, with a lost boy saying that they're leaving at 7, and then it immediately cuts to Michelle, like, upstairs in their room packing, like, kind of in the dark, and she says, I didn't get that message. Yeah, that was... Very passive aggressive. Yeah. And she's still packing, so. Yep. 6.50 p.m. They yes. were leaving the night before. Oh, right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Because they said it was so like a 12-hour trip yeah, or no, something like right. that. Yeah, I know. You're right. Damn it. Me with my inaccurate reporting. God damn it. Millie says, it's a good thing we're here, Mom. Damn. Sorry, guys. It <laughs> It was like dark and stuff, so. Yeah. I w- yeah, you're right, though, because they traveled all night. And I mm-hmm. even have that in my notes. God damn it. <laughs> Slipping. So, they're heading to the San Antonio Independent Christian Film Festival. Sounds like a raging good time. (laughs) It was something they had wanted to attend to, but being close to Michelle's delivery date, they kind of wrote it off thinking they weren't going to be able to go. But then Jordan, she ended up coming several weeks early, if I remember correctly. I think it was like five weeks early or so. Mm -hmm. So, now they decided they're going to go. So, you know. Poor Jill. She can't get a second to regroup after having a baby before she has to, you know, pack for 20 people and, you know, go on a road trip. Oh. So during a voiceover explanation of all of this, at one point they show Michelle showing off a baby outfit where. So I, I actually at first I thought it was bloomers, but then I realized she just had a dress in front of a onesie. So it wasn't actually mm. bloomer. It was a onesie. And on the butt, it's. It had like the apple type font and it says I pooed mm-hmm. and um, that had to have been a gift. There's no way that they bought that. I don't think. Th- yeah, you would have to buy that new. So Josiah is out in the bus and he's looking for his spot and he's reading off names as he passes them. So clearly they've been labeled mm-hmm. and he says, I think Jessa forgot to give me a bed. So notice that's not mom or dad. It's, Correct. It's Jessa. And then it cuts to Jessa saying that she got all the kids' stuff, Joseph through Jennifer, all together. So that means that Boob and Michelle, all they have to worry about is themselves. And Michelle, the baby. Obviously, mm-hmm. he's not t- caring for the baby. <laughs> and then the older girls and John David must have packed for themselves. But that means Jessa packed for 11 children. Oof. While Michelle packed for herself and one. Mm-hmm. Like, it's insanity. Um, Also, the fact that she packed for Joseph is kind of fucking nuts to me because he's not even two years younger. It's like, pack your own bullshit. Yeah. Infantile. Like, come on. Mm -hmm. 
Anyways. So cousin Famie is coming along because Famie's got a fame. And she's seeing her spot, like, on the bus. So now we're seeing the actual labels that before we just knew mm-hmm. were there. And one of the, I think it's, I think it's James, he grabs a marker and he puts a red J in front of her name. So it says mm-hmm. Jamie. That was so pretty funny. It was pretty funny. That's I gotta, I gotta say. That was, made me chuckle. Yep. So it cuts to Jim Bob packing last minute as he does. And so here's Jessa who packed for 11 kids mm-hmm. and herself. She's ready to go, but this fucking asshole can't get himself ready on time. I think the crazy part is that they always intercut the scenes of everybody getting ready with him doing one of two things. He's either walking around and telling them, hey, we got to go in an hour. We like got to go in an hour. Plate. <laughs> or they show him like just to the camera being like, well, you know, we were supposed to get out of here at eight and uh, that's not going to happen. It's like, what are you doing to contribute this? Because you're not, you're not doing anything. Yeah. And then when they, obviously them cutting to him, like packing, uh-huh. I don't necessarily think that everybody had their stuff ready and then he went to pack, but you know, it was damn still, late. Still late. Yeah. Yeah. Cause even Amy was like, in the bus laying there and she's like he's packing right now she said yep. that so i mm-hmm. was like i think it did kind of happen that way yeah maybe not as down to the wire but it still happened so like you said the camera's following him around and he's in their like communal closet that they mm-hmm. have and he goes to bins and stuff and he grabs things and boob says quote just gotta grab a few undies yep undies <laughs> It was like something about hearing that man say the word undies. I was like, yeesh. Like, <laughs> and and then he the camera really zeroes in on his underwear. It's pretty unfortunate. <laughs> and and they couldn't just leave it at that. Then they show him like back in their room with his suitcase, like actually packing the items. And again, they zoom in on his underwear. And did you notice? I mean, it's gross enough that this un- these undies belong to boob right Mm -hmm. but did you find their color odd i don't think i paid attention oh you didn't i think i was trying to look at everything else in his suitcase and i was like it's a pair of like tidy whities what do i care but you'd think tidy white but they had a yellowish color to them (laughs) enough that it's like it's not stained but it's that kind of it's like you it's know, like, dingy. like you know, like a like, but the whole thing is that way. So it's clearly their actual color, but they're a very unfortunate color. But you know, like how pillowcases look when you drool on them. That yellowing, I would know well. I'm a. Drooler. I was gonna say I only know because of you. <laughs> but like they're just like that light yellowy, like not more yellow than ivory. I, they're, I'm gonna. This is going in visuals. Clearly, he has yellow undies, guys. Maybe it's because he bought them used and saved the difference. Maybe. Somebody drooled all over them. You got to get that Ross underwear. Um, I would say showing underwear would be considered defrauding, but I guess just with it being Jim Bob, it certainly wasn't stirring up desires that could, couldn't could be righteously. That's, that's true. You know, so not defrauding. So they end up driving all night and they make pretty good time, actually. They get to the festival. And in a talking head, baby Cannon says, we need good family films. Mm-hmm. 
Boob says, quote, this is a long one. There's a lot of Hollywood films that display horror or sexual content and all that might do well at the box office because people want to go see stuff like that. But it's kind of like drugs, alcohol, stuff like that, and pornography that make money for companies, but yet it's still not good for individuals. It destroys people's souls. Oh my. It destroys people's families. Just because something makes money doesn't mean it's good for the general public. All right. I want to notify a couple things. Uh, The first one is this entire episode had a giant air of the fact that every mainstream non-religious movie terrible is just people smashing and doing drugs and like things that like cabbage patch dolls just running amok yeah like so it bothered me that like every movie in their head is bad yeah and like some of the kids comments which we'll get to Mm is just like it's just like god like it's so it's more judgy now than I think I even realized watching it the first time. Mm-hmm. Like, the first time I was just like, they're just doing their shit. Now I'm just like, God, you guys think that everything is, like... Because it's so naive, yeah. too. Like, it's uninformed and naive and judgy. And the second thing I was going to say, any listeners out there, put your hand on your hat so it doesn't flip. And I hope you're sitting down. This is the first time I agree with Jim Bob on something. Oh, my God. What is it? I, I'm going to splice in some alarm sirens. Um, only if you could cut it, only just because something makes more money doesn't mean it's good for the general public. I agree with that 100%. But, the rest of his statement is asinine. But I feel like there's a lot of stuff like that. Like, seeing how, like, just in general with deep dives, like, the first four words of us, I'll be like, yeah, and then, then it goes and off then they the rails. Fuck it. Mm-hmm. This is just funny because it's at the end of the statement. Usually yep. it's the beginning. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they just don't ha- they have a way of not being able to mm-hmm. actually make the good point, you know. Yep. So, Jessa talks about how they don't go to movies, but sometimes they do get to watch Andy Griffith <laughs> when Lego and uh Baby Cannon go out on a date. Mm-hmm. So, oh, and I didn't Something I meant to point out a long time ago. Do you remember that early special where they were like, don't mar- write on the walls because it's hard to get it off the walls? That's mm. from Andy Griffith. Mm. That's what that was. That makes sense. Yeah. Anyways. So then Josh is now saying how he's been to the festival once before, but this year is a lot more exciting because they have some, quote, great entries this year. <laughs> and then Jana is kind of like bitchy looking. <laughs> yeah. And she says... And like without even like really looking up, like she keeps doing whatever the fuck she's doing. Um, she goes, and because you have someone else with you and she kind of like gestures to Anna and then Josh goes, and I have my wife with me. <laughs> and Anna just kind of looks at the camera all awkward and she says, yeah, that was awkward. <laughs> I mean, she's just like, you should yeah. visual the, her oh. awkward smile. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. I also feel like, like that's, the whole thing was funny, but I felt like the first year of us getting married, I wasn't going to add, and because my wife is here, to every sentence that I talk about. Yeah. You know well, what I mean? Well, it's like, it seems so novel for them, because they can't have fucking boyfriends and girlfriends. Mm. So, yeah, that makes to sense. them, they're like, and you're not going to mention everything. It? Like, you yeah. Know, I'm not saying Jan is in the right, but I'm just saying that, like, for them, it's like a gigantic novelty, because it's not like you just bring these other mm-hmm. boys and girls with you, every, yeah. you know? 
but I, I was just more cracking up at Anna's yeah, and just like Jana was just like fucking. She was fucking on it. I know. I was like, God damn, yeah. simmer down, Jana. Angst. So then Josh says, "I like seeing movies quite a bit. We know." <laughs> but follows up with quote, especially knowing that these movies are wholesome and family friendly, which we know that wholesome and family friendly is not generally the type of films that mm-hmm. he prefers. So, yeah. you know, just a he's going to dabble in some wholesome. Yeah. Film just on the side. You know, that's the side thing. Mm-hmm. So now it shows them watching several films and Michelle says, quote, our goal is we want to encourage others and build each other up. And by making good films, you're doing that. You encourage the right kinds of things. And so we're not against films and movies and even television for that matter. Bullshit. Yes, you are. It's just. Even though it's how you make your money. It's just what's on it. You got to be careful. You want to put the right thing kind of stuff. You want to put out the right kind of stuff. It's like, so they have been like against it before, but now that they're at a fucking Christian film festival, they're like, well, no, we're not really against Correct. it. It's just. Yeah. Anywho. <laughs> so actually, Michelle had a lot to say this episode mm-hmm. because she says, again, there's another long quote from her. I think this film festival puts a lot of emphasis on young people because they realize that they are our future and we need to be training and equipping them to be good filmmakers so that the future for our nation, for our family, can be enriched and bettered. And that's putting quite a quite a lot on some like janky ass Christian films. Like yeah. the future betterment of society. Like at one point at one point I put that because these people don't go to movies very often do they assume that all actors are just really bad because we haven't gotten there yet but we're about to get to where they go through like the movies the different like little clips of the different movies they're watching and i'm not sure if i can even call it acting like it's two people that are kind of saying some words at each other like it is rough (laughs) yeah so you think to them this is like like top cinema oh it is of because all of something time. they say later yeah 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 <laughs> yeah it's, they think this shit's great oh yeah like this is citizen kane they're like, they're like the production value versus andy griffith it's in color man just the way they t- it was so powerful the way that they stood in a room and said words at each other wow yeah so next, Josh is saying how they're about to watch Fireproof, starring Kirk Cameron. Woo! And Pest is dressed in a fucking suit and tie. <laughs> like a fucking dweeb. People don't even dress up to go to the movies anymore, Whitney. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I'm like, oh, dear God. Like, did they all like, because that's the first thing that they're showing. So I'm like, oh, yeah. my God, are they all dressed up for this? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just him and Anna. <laughs> Everybody else is in their like denim skirt still yeah. and like whatever. But Anna is even wearing a blazer. Did you notice? <laughs> yeah, I did. I was like, oh, homegirl has a black blazer. She's feeling like spiffy. Oh, man. They act like they're going to like some red carpet premiere yeah. or something. It's like, calm down, guys. It's Kirk Cameron. 
simmer down. You mean Hollywood superstar? You mean America's sweetheart, Kirk Cameron? Yes. <laughs> I'm just wondering, like, whose idea do you think it was to dress up? Do you think it was Pest <laughs> or Pest or Anna? I think it was his. I think so too. Okay, me too. Would she tell him if she disagreed with him though? Like, no. But I'm like, he's probably the one that was just like, we gotta look. You know, we got to look sharp. He probably says sharp, too. <laughs> this Doesn't is them he? going to, Don't like, a think? Hollywood premiere, right? Yeah. Yep. Like you said, red carpet. Yep. Mm. So then Justice says that there's just so many films out there that are just, quote, not worth seeing. Jess had a lot to say this episode about oh, yeah. film. And she knows exactly what's in those films. So she knows they're just not it's even not worth, worth it. It's not worth seeing it, you know? Yeah. It's like I rock mean, music. Like, there's not a whole lot to it. Yeah. <laughs> Josiah yeah. just said they're yeah. they on the pulse of music yep. and pop culture and film, you know? Yeah. I, I've never heard it before. Ask Josiah or Jessa. <laughs> I've never heard it before, but I know there's not a whole lot to it. <laughs> the joke I was going to make before was that Pest and Anna think that they're going to a red carpet movie premiere. Would they go to the uh, Vlasic Pickle after party? Yes, sponsored by. <laughs> yep. Hoping for some swag. Yep. So Boob says he. So now the the movie's over, okay? And then Boob is standing there, and he says, "I cried start to finish," and, and then he like kisses Michelle. I'm like, what What is going on here? It's really weird. And then quote, "I recommend everyone see Fireproof. It's the best movie ever made." Yep. Yep. ever made guys mm-hmm. now apparently we've been missing out on cinematic masterpiece <laughs> because we haven't watched fireproof um the the other movies they had real quick was the sword yes um which was an awkward man sitting at a table a woman was trying to make conversation and he like oddly ignored her and then randomly talked about his dad passing away or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was just, I know it was just short scenes, but you're not going to tell me that that movie was real good except for that like 30 second clip. Um, so if you w- want to know what movies to avoid, um, The Sword, um, The Sound of a Dirt Road, that was another one. Um, and yeah, like I said, it was just all like, it all looked like SNL. It looked like they were reading off of cue cards. Like, that's how bad it was. Yeah. So, sorry. I don't know why I'm raging about the awful movies at this, but um, Fireproof by Kirk Cameron. And there's another Michelle quote that I really like that I'll comment on. So, go ahead. Oh, um, because I knew that you usually like put them word for word, I kind of just put a synopsis. But it was something along the lines of, I don't think a movie needs to be violent and have all these bad things in it to be a good film. Yeah, you know who else thinks that? Most people that watch films. But also, you know what fucking chaps my ass, though? Biblical stories are usually very fucking violent. <laughs> so why is it that when The Passion of the Christ came out and it showed these, like... Oh, they ate Graphic, that Graphic, but that's okay because mm-hmm. it's bi- biblical violence. Yeah. I It it, it pisses me off. I never yeah. fucking... Anyways, I have to move on. <laughs> so... Yeah, sorry, I know you said you want to move on. The thing I wanted to say about Jim Bob at this point was you can tell that he was searching for something to say about the movie and then he repeats it like four other times. Because he, he talked about, I cried through all of it as he awkwardly kisses Michelle. 
and then you said, "I yeah, I recommend everyone go see it. It's the best movie ever made. Ever made. Ever made. Um, but one of the things he keeps saying is, it's going to change a lot of people's lives. Yeah, yeah. Kirk Fireproof has really got to, you yep. know. He keeps saying that it's going to change a lot of people's lives. And then he said it to, later on, he said it to Kirk. Yeah. Later on, he said it to the camera two more times. Like, it's very funny. So. Yeah. He's really stuck on that. He's convinced. He was like, I found my line. So after Boob declares this the best movie ever made, we get a little snark from TLC. <laughs> they put up a table on the screen that says best movies ever made. On one side, the header is American Film Institute. And mm-hmm. then on the other side, it says Duggars. So under the American Film Institute, it lists things like Casablanca, Citizen Kane, Gone with the Wind, The Godfather, you know, some others. And then on the Duggar side, it lists Fireproof, Facing the Giants, Flywheel, Sergeant York, and The Sound of Music. <laughs> so if you want a list of, uh, add to your list of things to avoid, mm-hmm. there you go. Yep. I know a lot of people like Sound of Music, though. I don't think I've ever seen it start to finish, to be honest. Really? Yeah. Just pieces. So yeah, I just I enjoyed that little bit of shade there. That's very funny. So now they're getting ready to go meet Kirk Cameron. Um, I guess thus the suit, you know, from Pest. <laughs> I guess. And Boob describes him as a neat individual. Neat individual. I mean, to be called neat is really saying something. <laughs> it's almost as good as being told you have nice bars, you know. So <laughs> that's a true compliment, though. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've nobody told Kirk that I I did notice. <laughs> He's just neat. But first they end up meeting the Von Trapp children. They are the great grandchildren of the real people, the real characters in the sound of music. Mm-hmm. Not a lot to whole lot that I at least wrote down to say about it. Um, they walked into the room singing. Yeah. They're and like the kids this is during the point where they're letting the kids run around because they're in this kind of like giant private room and Whatever. I didn't have much, did you? No. Okay. So now we get to the point where they're meeting Kirk Cameron. And in a talking head, a producer asks Michelle if she ever watched Growing Pains. And she says, I never saw that, but I like what I see now because I know that he really has family values and I love his perspective on making films. A.K.A. I have no fucking clue who this guy is. Yeah, she has no idea. (laughs) She... (laughs) Just be like, no, I have no fucking just be, clue. Yeah, just be like, I never really watched it, but I liked Fireproof. Like, But she's like, I mean, that is kind of what she said, but she had, I felt like she, she made had it to, longer to make it sound more legit. Like, yeah. well, to not make it sound like, yeah, I have no fucking clue. But it's like, well, if I, well, if I really like his perspective, you yeah. know, it's. Famey says she remembers him from Growing Pains and some Disney movies. Yeah. I didn't know he was in Disney movies. Yeah, we'll get to that. Oh. Kirk comes in, whatever. He's kind of like, you know, high-fiving kids and looking at babies, you know, doing like yeah. the typical whatever bullshit. Mm-hmm. Lego's big thing to offer is that he says, quote, he's very talented, very good at speaking from his heart and not just from his mind. <laughs> and I think he's going to make a lot of difference in people's lives. There you go. Yep. There it Luke is. sounds like a fundy fangirl of Kirk. <laughs> 
And then Jessa describes Kirk as humble and down to earth and not stuck up and proud like you probably expected from a Hollywood star. Hollywood superstar Kirk Cameron. She is very generous with that Hollywood star <laughs> title, let me tell you. But I guess if, you know, if she can't meet Aunt B, this is pretty good. <laughs> you mean American treasure Kirk Cameron? So Michelle says that during the kissing scene in the movie, uh, I think it was Jackson, she said, asked, are they married? And she said, and in my heart, I was going, oh, I hope they're married. And it turns out that, you know, Kirk is now telling them that how he has a standard of in his own life of never kissing a woman he isn't married to. So it's his wife that stepped in and she's wearing like to like look like the actress that plays his wife in the movie and they did it really like blurry silhouette style far away Mm. so that they could kiss and he wouldn't be kissing another woman. It's like, I mean, get over yourself. Nobody thinks you're fucking cheating on your, I don't know. It's just, it's annoying to me. And then the scene ends with everyone just saying how, you know, he's just so normal and Kirk's, and, you know, talking about him being a big Hollywood star. But I only really bring it up because Boob described him as not being uppity up. Oh, yep. <laughs> you know, he's not uppity up. So I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> then they, the show closes out with another appearance from Michelle's um, event, Pajama Top. Mm-hmm. If you remember, this is the one that she wore not only in Pest and Anna's wedding, but then at that speaking engagement in San Francisco. Ah, so the reason the event pajama top makes an appearance is because they're handing out the award for the biblical family category mm-hmm. for this film festival. And Michelle says Boob is afraid of public speaking. And she says it might come easier for her because she talks more. But I don't agree with that at all. I mean, I I'm like, the women don't really get to talk. So, no. And you was- know he loves attention. Yeah. Like, I feel public speaking is hard because there is so many people looking but i feel like when you when you want or like you yearn for attention or like positive affirmation it's kind of easier yeah well and i i didn't write it down but i think if i remember correctly him saying something that he does better with the script which is funny because we're always saying like where's hit the fuck is his cue cards (laughs) (laughs) so i just thought that was ironic because i'm always like god get this guy a fucking card man yeah and we do think it's ironic that a couple that doesn't let their kids watch any movies was presenting an award at, at a, a movie. At a film festival. At a film festival, yeah. yeah so. But it was in San Antonio. Yeah. San- I do love went, San Antonio. Just went, I just went there for the first time in May. Mm-hmm. It was nice. We didn't get to see as much as we'd like. We were there for a, a funeral, unfortunately. Yeah. But it's a nice place. The downtown was cool. Yeah. We had a, uh, a mixture of a... It was like a muffin shape, but it was a mixture of a croissant... But then they put like the like the concha, um, yep, the, like frosting the on it. On top. Yeah, they <laughs> called it a croncha. So good, that's oh. what I've ever had. Because I love the idea of pan dulce, but like Mexicans overcook it's everything. It's so dry all the time. Yeah, yeah. So that was like the perfect. Mm-hmm. It was airy inside. I'm telling you, if you're ever in San Antonio, look for we'll, a croncha. We'll look, up, we'll look up the name of the shop later and put it in there. You should put that in the visuals. Yeah, <laughs> picture that <laughs> I, delicious. I have, dude, I, I saw that picture the other day in my camera roll. I was like, damn, that was good. <laughs> I was talking to people at work like two weeks ago. Anyways, that's it for the recap. We'll take a little break and we will come back with the deep dive. The DDUI. So today's deep dive is about Hollywood star himself, Kirk Cameron. 
American treasure, yes. Kirk Cameron. And his journey from athe- atheist to evangelical. So I know this is not actually specifically Duggar related or IBLP, but I thought it might be fun to kind of switch it up and, you know, fit in with the episode. Okay. So my sources for today are his awful book. <laughs> not, and I'm just not just saying that because, like, you know, of course, I don't, like, agree with him or whatever. It's just truly, like, an awful book. For an autobiography, I feel like you want to feel like you're actually kind of getting to know someone. It's so, like, fucking Correct. surface that I'm like, it's not even, like, a good written autobiography of someone mm. I don't like. It's just not even well written. Yeah. So, trash. <laughs> Seriously not worth it. So, his book and then several interviews and just some other things like that. But Okay. So, Kirk was born October 12, 1970 to Barbara and Robert Cameron. He was named after Captain Kirk, <laughs> who was his father's, you know, who, his father loved him. Okay. And his mom went along with it because apparently, who knew, the name Kirk means of the church. Oh. They didn't go to church. <laughs> but his mom was like, cool. So Kirk is the oldest of four kids. He has three younger sisters and the youngest being Candace, who also became a child star. Starring mm-hmm. at Full House as DJ. You know, everybody kind of knows about her. So she was the youngest. The other two middle sisters aren't in the public. Correct. Like Limelight. Okay. One of them has been in some of his shitty movies, but like <laughs> not really. You know, not like them. You know, not on their level. Okay. So he describes his upbringing, upbringing as, quote, almost traditional in the sense that his dad was a math and gym teacher and his mom was a housewife. That is until she became his manager, thus the, you know, almost part of it. Okay. I guess. He says he wasn't raised in a Christian home, but a moral home. And to that I say, and what's wrong with that? You know? Yeah. (laughs) Morals to me is the part that matters. And once again, I feel like a lot of the things we've seen specifically from the Duggars have been like, if it's not our way, it's immoral. Yeah. You know, so. So his mother, Barbara, apparently she did grow up going to church and she did assume that when she got married, she would attend church with her family. Hmm. But his father, Robert, quote, didn't want his kids controlled into any particular religion. Um, And he wanted his children to make up their own minds and adamantly refuse letting them attend church. Okay. So then in 1979, when Kirk was, you know, roughly nine years old, Mm. his mom took him and his sisters to meet an agent after speaking with her friend named Fran, who was the mother of Adam Rich, who was currently working as a child actor on the show Eight is Enough. So kind of that early stage mom thing of taking all your kids to an agent and just kind of hoping See that what some- you can get. something sticks, you know? Mm. <laughs> Meanwhile, your kids have never acted a fucking day in their life or... Yeah. Really expressed interest. You're just going to load the car up with the whole fucking family. You're like, see, can can you make something out of any of this? What's the point of having kids if you can't exploit them for money? I mean, yeah. Jim, Bob, and Michelle, very, they agree. Facts. So the agent said Candace was too young at the time, but to bring her back later. She was about three, and we do know how that turned out. I guess they did bring her back later. <laughs> right. But she wanted to give Kirk and Melissa a shot. But she wasn't interested in his sister, Bridget, who ironically was the one sibling that they all thought would 
probably get picked because she was the one that was always singing, dancing, and performing at home. Bridget and, just didn't have it. Yep. Bridget didn't have, you know, that snap. Nope. She didn't have that Sounds crackle. like she was very disappointed, which is kind of sad. So, like, she's watching her. She's like, you don't even like to sing and perform, you know. <laughs> Anyways. So Kirk then begins landing commercials, and then he actually ends up going on to s- several movies, such as Beyond Witch Mountain, Disney movie. That's okay. what I was like. I'll get to that later, actually. Mm. And Herbie the Love Bug. And there, there's several <laughs> others, but I just kind of highlighted those Disney ones. in my. So that's what he did as a young child. Did you ever watch Herbie? Again, another one of those things that I don't know if I ever watched it all the way through. I watched it as like a kind of like a preteen. Where I remember they were playing it on like the Disney Channel, mm-hmm. and I remember watching it, and not being super interested, and thinking it was kind of hokey. Didn't they redo a remake with Lindsay Lohan? With Lindsay Lohan, yeah, gave me a reason to watch. Uh, oh, you're into Lindsay Lohan? <laughs> in the day, in back in like the Mean Girl days, Lindsay Lohan was hot. Well, she's making a comeback right now. Is she? She's, in she's not cor- trashy. She's or- in corny Christmas movie- movies, just like Candace Cameron. Wow. I think okay. it's on Netflix or something. We should watch it just to just to see what she's <laughs> going on with Lindsay these days. So anyway, so he stars in those movies as a young kid, but he really ends up getting the big break that makes him a household name Ooh. when he was cast as Mike Seaver on the family sitcom Growing Pains in I 1985. Love at the age of 50. And that was my next question. So I never watched it. I loved it. See, it, and it's not even, I can't even say that it's because it's before my time. I watched plenty of things that were before oh, my yeah. time. I, I mean, I love the Cosby show. I mean, I love tons of 80s television mm. and stuff, but I never watched Growing Pains. Yeah. And you loved it. So I, I loved gotta watch it. it. You know what else I got into really hard? Who's the boss? Dude, I fucking loved Who's the Boss. <laughs> I love Charles in Charge. I never I, watched Charles I mean, in Charge. Oh, yeah. I, dude, I had the hots for Scott Baio when I was a kid. I had a type. I realize now I had a type. <laughs> I was into Scott Baio and then the cartoon version of Robin and Batman. Dick Grayson. Um, yeah, and I mm-hmm. realized that I must have been into dark-haired white guys. <laughs> because Scott Baio uh, and, you know, mm-hmm. young Robin on that show, they look That's the same. <laughs> Anyways, my four-year-old self had a very specific type. <laughs> So he became a heartthrob, and he was on the cover of all the beats. Tiger Beat, Teen Beat, and Super Teen. I have never heard of Super Teen. Ooh. But I I, I mean, I was Googling, like, Kirk Cameron magazine, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, Super Teen? Never heard of you before. So in his book, he was talking about all the different merch that there was of him. And I have to point out one specific line, because it cracked me up. He said, quote, there was even a pillowcase with my picture, just the right size for girls to kiss my fabric-y likeness as they drifted <laughs> off to sleep. Does pillowcases sound familiar? Yes. But I also want to point something out. That is a very Japanese thing. So I think it's funny whenever you see, like, pieces of other cultures that are kind of, like, well-known. Like... I think here in the States, you'd be like, you have a pillowcase of Kirk Well, that's what Cameron. I thought about Pest and Anna having pillowcase, like Anna right. making that. But like anime pillows, it's a whole thing. Yeah, but do they do it of real people? This was a person. Probably. I don't know. Anyways, it just made me think of Anna's special His fabric-y likeness. His fabric likeness. <laughs> of American treasure, Kirk Cameron. <laughs> 
I'm just going to keep saying that. King I think it's funny. King of the Beats. All King the Beats. Of, King of the Beats. King of Beats, yeah. <laughs> so in the early years of the show, he says his TV family, as cliche as it sounds, really felt like a actual family, and they were all incredibly close. He was known for being a prankster on set with the nickname Devil Boy, which Ooh. I wonder how he feels about that name now. Oh. You know? You know, just inviting Satan in, why don't you? He might as well be playing with Cabbage Patch dolls. Seriously, He would hide people's keys, move cars to other sets, Vaseline the toilet seats, set off stink bombs, you name it, he pretty much did it. He sounds like a piece of shit. (laughs) Devil boy. (laughs) Oh, and there was one that was kind of funny. Um, I guess Alan Thicke, like from the craft services table, he liked to eat the tops off of all the muffins and leave the bottoms. And That's so, douchebag behavior, too. <laughs> I know. And I guess one of his pranks was that, like, he took all the tops off the muffins so that when Alan went over there, there was only bottoms. <laughs> okay, that's pretty funny. Let's be real. That's something I would do. I feel like that's only funny because just eating the tops and then leaving the other part is asshole behavior. It is. It's totally dick behavior. So I, that is pretty funny. Okay, Kirk. Alan Thick the dick. Um, so overall, sounds just like a close-knit, fun atmosphere. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's some background info info for you. So now let's actually get into the religious aspect. Okay. When Kirk was 17, so this was now two years into the show and at the peak of its like popularity, mm-hmm. he started having feelings of, is there more? Have I peaked? He said that as he watched his dad, <laughs> Tim's shaking his head. I'm yes. shaking my head. Yes. <laughs> you peaked. <laughs> Um, he said that, you know, watching his dad as he was growing up, he, he saw that his dad's dreams and kind of goals were to be independent and financially successful. And he felt that at the age of 17, he already had all those things. Mm -hmm. So he kind of didn't know what he had left to look forward to. He was like, is it more money? Is it more fame? You know, he, he just was feeling like something was missing. Correct. So up to this point, he says he considered himself, quote, a devout atheist. He said he had friends who spoke of their faith in God, and he said, quote, felt sorry for those small-minded plebeians who were obviously victims of religious brainwashing. I didn't hold it against them. I just pitied them. And as far as I was concerned, they could worship Bigfoot as long as they didn't impose their fairy tale beliefs and archaic morality on me. Hmm. But though he says this, he still was left with the question of how did he get here? Does it really matter how I live my life? And what will happen to me when I die? Which is what you always hear. Like, Mm -hmm. it's one of the many... I feel like there's like three key things that make people like dive into religion. Why are we here? Yeah. And it's like, I just can't relate to it at all because I don't give a shit. (laughs) I don't care. I'm like, I'll just do what I'm doing, you know. Mm. But it seems to be a running theme for people. Yeah. So it's at this same time, at the age of 17, that he ended up being invited to church by a girl from the show. I, I think she was like a guest star or something. He said he didn't really want to go, but he didn't want to offend her and her family, so he mm-hmm. went anyway. It's really not worth getting into the details. But of course, as you always end up hearing, just like the Michelle story, he ended up being really affected by the sermon, kind of thinking it was speaking to him, mm-hmm. and began reading books that his date's father suggested after he'd been asking that guy a bunch of questions Mm -hmm. he said quote 
Slowly but surely, as I considered the hard facts, I began to lose my faith in atheism. Long story short, he became a born-again Christian. <laughs> so he no longer had faithism. <laughs> there, yes, faithism. Mm. Yep. Yeah, it wasn't worth telling all the details. I'm like, I mean, it, there's only so many things you can say where it's like, this is what stuck out. I mean, it just yeah. wasn't even like fucking worth it. So moving on. I saw a comedian repost today on Instagram a little clip, and it was a guy that was like, "Yeah, before I got into stand-up, I was actually going to school to be a pastor." And everyone just kind of like lightly chuckles and he was like, so I was just going to kind of do exactly this, but on Sunday. (laughs) And he's like, if anything, I just got my days wrong. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) So it's like you want to become religious all of a sudden. Cool. But the problem ended up being that it affected the show greatly. He started asking for scenes to be rewritten that he didn't agree with. Hmm. So the first major one was a scene where he was shown rolling over in bed to a girl lying there. And he says, what's your name again? And it's revealed in the show that that was a dream sequence. Mm-hmm. Doesn't even really happen. Right. But he said, quote, dream sequence or not, I didn't like the idea of viewers seeing Mike so casually in bed with a woman. <laughs> that was just the beginning. Ugh. He had issues with several scenes and one of them particular being girls in bathing suits because you know we need to be covered in the the modesty swimwear of the Doug girls please and he ended up calling the producers quote little more than pornographers oh very dramatic very dramatic there was even a rumor that he got a recurring cast member fired because she'd post for playboy previously (laughs) he of course denies it and it's in his book and all over stuff online where he claims her role was always meant to come to an end okay. because their characters get engaged and then the wedding is like called off and yada yada. So it's becomes more of like this urban legend that like, you know, he had these new beliefs and he got this girl fired. Um, but apparently though, that, that wasn't exactly the case because a producer did come forward and confirm that the role was never intended to be permanent. They're like, mm-hmm. we didn't want that character to settle down. Okay. So I do think, though, that this is one of those cases of, like, convenient truth. Yeah, like, I agree. Like, conveniently true that that character was not supposed to be a long-lasting character. Mm-hmm. I don't for a fucking second believe that he didn't have a massive problem with her being in Playboy. Oh, absolutely. So, of course, it's great that he, on his little, you know, Christian conscience, conscience cannot, like, can say, I didn't get her fired. Because right. that might be true. Mm-hmm. But you fucking hated what she was doing and yeah. you know and you had a problem if you had a problem with girl in bathing suits i'm pretty sure you had a problem with her being in playboy correct so overall kirk's objections caused a ton of friction on the set as a whole and former producer of growing pains steve marshall said quote it made an unhappy set and the actors were not happy and the producers were not happy mm-hmm. basically people saw it as this 17 year old kid was just like throwing his dick around Mm -hmm. getting his way left and right and creating a ton of work for other people and there was he was the star of that show yeah so it's not like he was just one of the siblings that happened to like he was the show yeah there's a weird amount of parallels without the religious side to like fresh prince of bel-air oh yeah yeah where like when they realized that like will was the the star amongst this like ensemble there was a lot of things like that. Mm-hmm. Well, and they even talk about how 
it at first they were like okay now he's talking to the producers and writers about things pertaining to his character Mm -hmm. but they were like how long before he's talking about my character and what and we see how you know he had a problem with their bathing suits blah blah blah. so they were like you guys gotta nip this because he's gonna fucking take over the show so it just caused this whole point of contention and on top of the tensions regarding the show specifically he began to pull away and completely isolate himself from everybody. Mm. So he was no longer close with the cast and crew and even his pranking stopped. So no more stink bombs and, you know, cutting off muffin tops. Yeah. Alan Thicke got his tops back. (laughs) Sparing you some details. Kirk ends up meeting Chelsea Noble on the set of Growing Pains as she was guest starring. Kirk noticed her not only in her white cotton shirt. Oh, my jeans and cowboy boots slutty but he noticed her sapphire cross necklace so you know that means she must be the one (laughs) what started as a two episode gig for her ended up turning into 13 episodes due to their chemistry Mm -hmm. and they they began dating during a summer hiatus from filming chelsea and kirk got married and it only added to the tension with the cast and crew because not only was nobody from the show invited (laughs) They were never even informed that they were engaged. Wow. They found out from the news. Yep. So I do think that that's kind of a slap in the face. Someone that you've seen, you've worked with for years, you see Monday through Friday, and you don't even, and you work with both of them, not even just one of them. You work with both of them, and then you're like, oh, didn't even know you were engaged. And to be fair, like, even if he had been in kind of these other things before he got cast in that. He was a nobody before that. He was a bit player in in some small movies. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like these are also the people that made you that you know. made him who he was. Yeah. Yep. So even if you're not going to invite them, like the idea that you like didn't even tell them is kind of weird. And I it's know. also like I also feel like this is a chance for him to slightly martyr himself because then he can be like, look. Hollywood won't cast me because of my beliefs. Oh, of course. He does that 100%. It's, yeah. Oh, yeah. And and it's like, no, you became unbearable to work with. And especially in ensemble television, your ensemble, for the most part, needs to get along. Yeah. You know? Yep. And that doesn't mean you all have to be super, super, super close friends, but you got to be respectful. Mm-hmm. So now we're just going to skip a- ahead into the future. Growing Pains ends after seven seasons, and then five years after marriage, Kirk and Chelsea start a family. First, they adopt four children, and then they end up having two of their own, mm-hmm. yada, yada. That's just kind of like gets you to where they are kind of in life. So he took seminary courses at none other than Grace Community Church, which is the church that Jeremy and Ginger attend, the one that... Um, Jeremy is doing his got his degree and is doing his master's now so it's just that Mm -hmm. little little you know connection there that it's the same church he was thinking that he might pursue a degree in ministry but instead he ends up in 2000 going down this path of Christian films it starts with him in the left behind series that was so huge when I was in church I never, never saw even a fucking minute of it. I never even saw a trail, nothing. You're not missing much. And then, of course, we know Fireproof, as we saw in today's episode. So that's where he gets in 2000s when, he's, when he starts this path. And it goes forward even into now. But that's kind of when the ball got rolling. 
You mean Dark Horse Oscar nominee Fireproof? Yes. We're going to change everybody's lives. <laughs> Greatest film ever. I cried ever through made. the whole thing. Ever made. It was also in the year 2000 that he listened to Hell's Best Secret by Ray Comfort. I don't know what any of those words were. So Ray Comfort is a Christian evangelist. Evangelist. I okay. I can't talk right You're now. You're trying to say evangelical well, because then, that's how, yeah. I evangelist. Get it. And he's actually New Zealand born, but came to, you know, he now lives in the United States. Mm-hmm. And he's especially known for his, quote, open air preaching, which is AKA annoying people on the streets. <laughs> he has a lot of videos you can go online and watch. And he's, all, he's, he's that type that likes to get the microphone, go out to people on the streets and ask them questions, get them caught up and be like, you need to be saved, blah, 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 you know. <laughs> What, what do you think about this? And, you know, you, need, you know, he likes mm. to try to catch them up a little bit. He tries to be humorous. Like, oh, yeah. he's annoying. And he's a very small man. Um, you were a so, small man. <laughs> so this gets Kirk after he listens to this Hell's Best Secret DVD mm-hmm. type thing or whatever. This gets Kirk going down a rabbit hole of all of Ray's work. And he ends up contacting him. And this ends up turning into sort of a friendship and then later a working relationship. Together in 2002, they founded The Way of the Master, which is a ministry which had television and radio shows, books, online courses, and tracks, which is like, you know, those little literature type mm-hmm. things. Like a pamphlet? Yes. Okay. A leaflet, maybe? Yes. Together in 2007, they even participated in a debate with atheists that was moderated by a guy from Dateline. They showed clips of it on TV, but it was mostly streamed online. Well, we'll talk a little bit about it more later, but these are the types of projects that these two took on together. Ooh, spicy. So now I just kind of, so that's kind of some of his work that he's been doing. Now I just kind of want to cover some of the more controversial events that have occurred with Kirk over the years. Some with Ray and some without. But, American Treasure Kirk Hammond. Yes. That's who she's referencing. <laughs> in case you guys were confused. Just you just in case you weren't aware. I mean, there's a lot, but I picked some of the bigger some of the bigger ones. The the first one is good. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm into this one. Okay. And as as the things got bigger, he had some growing pains. Merp. Merp. <laughs> so in two thousand six, in a way of the master episode. Ray Comfort, along with Kirk at his side, talks about the banana. He holds it up and says, behold, an atheist nightmare. He then proceeds to explain how a banana is proof of a a creator or, you know, intelligent design, as they like to Mm. always say. Citing such things as it fitting perfectly in the hand, being made of a non-slip surface type material, the color code system where it changes from green, yellow to black, indicating when to eat. The tab at the top for peeling. The biodegradable wrapper. The point at the top for, quote, ease of entry. Yuck. And that it curves toward the face to make the, quote, whole process easier. And more. That's that just part of it. So apparently bananas... Just their existence alone just really debunks evolution entirely. 
according to him. Yeah. And he did this with the whole thing. But starting off, he talked about the can, like a can of soda being like, it was created and like, you know, this tab, blah, 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 blah. Like it was, it was, you know, designed, right? Correct. And so that's why later on he calls like that point of the banana where you start to peel it, like the tab. Like he's trying to like, see, this was designed for us to be able to, you know, drink out of this can, fits in our hand. And then here's a banana, the same, see, proof of a creator. Evolution doesn't exist. This goes, can I reference one thing? Yeah. Because it's what it reminds me of. Do you remember me telling you about the tiger rock? I don't know. From the Sim- So I'm going to read it because I looked it up this time. There's a, a bear makes its way into Springfield on the Simpsons. And when the people are mad, they go to the uh, t- city hall and they like march on it. And they're like protesting where they're like, you need to do something about all these bears. So he pro- the mayor proposes like um, a bear patrol and it's like, trucks going through the street and helicopters flying over and all of these things that are supposed to stop bears and then when he gets his like electric bill there's like a seven cent tax that's for a bear tax and he's mad about it but the whole thing is um homer says look not a bear in sight the bear patrol must be working like a charm and lisa goes that's specious reasoning dad he goes thank you dear and she goes by your logic i could claim that this rock keeps tigers away he goes, ooh, how does it work? And she goes, it doesn't work. And he goes, uh-huh. She's like, it's just a stupid rock. And he goes, uh-huh. She goes, but I don't see any tigers around, do you? Homer thinks and then pulls out money and goes, Lisa, I want to buy your rock. <laughs> That's exactly what this is. Like, <laughs> That's what the bananas, I mean, <laughs> my my, I, I, I would say I'm more agnostic possibly but like i mean our nightmare right i see a banana and i'm like nightmare no (laughs) so not surprisingly ray comfort and kirk just for his mere you know sitting next to him through this american they end up being roasted for this (laughs) not only for it just being plain fucking ridiculous but also because wild bananas are not really edible or anything like what he shows in the video. Mm-hmm. Today's bananas are the result of artificial selection by humans over the course of time so that they are edible and that they're not like early ones are full of seeds. You couldn't even 100%. eat them because they're complete. They're big, giant seeds. Mm-hmm. So all kinds of stuff that makes them nothing like what he showed. <laughs> At first, he reacts by saying in 2009... Quote, I was not aware that the common banana had been so modified through hybridization. But as some, <laughs> so, you know, so it, he took three years, but he officially puts out a quote and was like, all right. So it sounds like at first, he's kind of like somewhat owning up to it at first. Okay. But as sometimes we see, he came back later in 2017 and he fucking doubled down on it. <laughs> even going so far as to write an entire book called Banana Man. The true story of how a demeaning nickname opened amazing doors for the gospel. Wow. Do you think Dithy could do the same thing with her (laughs) demeaning? Poor (laughs) Dithy. Well, Dithy needs a book. I just think it's, if that was the case, so when you came out in 2000-whatever and and he said, um, you know, I wasn't aware that it was kind of the product for this, you know what you should have done before you staged this fucking theatrical show of your faith do a little goddamn research like 
if that was the crux of your argument, don't you think that you would look it up and be like, oh, damn, maybe we have to think of something else? Well, here's the like, funny part. He's So it's 2006 originally. Then in 2009, he says, oh, I didn't really realize that. Waits eight years, writes a fucking book about it. And then in mm-hmm. the book, he says that he knew all along that the banana had changed over time due to humans. <laughs> I mean, it's like how convenient that you knew that all along. Like, oh, yeah, the whole time. Yeah. yeah, you know, it was all a part of how, like, you know, he was going to get people to pay attention, yeah. and you know, now he's going to spread the gospel. Yeah, fucking convenient, <laughs> Ray. <laughs> well, you know, God was guiding their hand in uh, promoting cross hybrid uh, plants. You know, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, I know, I know that was kind of a long story, but I wanted to point that out just to really give you a picture of the type of wagon that Kirk has hitched himself to. <laughs> okay, back to more controversies, and I'm going in like order, like okay. by year. I I I went through all the things I could find about him, picked out the best ones, and I'm going in order. Okay. So now we're in 2009. In response to the 150th anniversary of Charles Darwin's On the Origin of Species, Ray and Kirk. They they end up organizing this whole thing where they they go to the top fifty universities in the U- U.S. and they're handing out revised versions of the book. It has a fifty page introduction though, arguing against all of Darwin's points. <laughs> it didn't stop there though. Kirk also made the media rounds that year to argue against evolution because man, fucking religios cannot fucking let go of it like they really fucking harp on this he told people magazine quote you can see where hitler clearly takes darwin's ideas to some of their logical conclusions and compares certain races of people to lower evolutionary life forms if you take darwin's theory and extend it to its logical end it can be used to justify all number of very horrendous things you know what else he used to justify a lot of those things the Christian Bible. <laughs> right. Like. Exactly. Homie was Christian. So it's not like he was this like blood sucking tree hugging lib. You know what I mean? Like that was like he was a very, very. So once again, it's just let's cherry pick parts of this argument to make it work. You know what I mean? Yeah. But did that sound familiar to you? Of using Darwin to. Hitler. The whole Hitler thing. Oh. Did you forget that Ben and Jessa, do you remember in our whole evolutionary episode, mm-hmm. how they both put out the things about how they talked about the Holocaust, the, yeah. the reason for the Holocaust was racism. Yeah. And, you know, evolutionary, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. So just kind of funny that Ben and Jessa, their little thing is the exact same thing that yep. that Kirk is saying. So... These people are just dead set on blaming racism on evolution, even though racism existed far before this theory did. But for whatever reason, they just are stuck on this argument. They're like, yep, yep. things the were Nazis so much are because of Charles Darwin. Yep. Things are so much better in the world before 1860. Let me tell you. Then on Fox News, he argued that if evolution were true, we'd have tons of mutant animals running around. And he uses a crocoduck as an example. <laughs> now, earlier when I talked about he and Ray doing the debated atheist thing, I watched 
parts of it. I didn't watch mm-hmm. the entire thing. And this is one thing that he does when they're talking about evolution. He pulls out little pictures and he has a crocodile. And then he did a bullfrog. But it's like a bull and a frog. And, I mean, and it's just so stupid. It's like cause that is not... That is not what it is. Yeah. And then that is not how it works. They act like literally two animals just like chop in half and smush together. Yeah. And that's, that's not what a we're supposed to be say- seeing all around us all the time. Yeah. And at one point he even went on like social media and he was like, I'll give $10,000 to someone who can pr- bring me a transitional whatever he calls it. Like, you know. Uh, like a transitional like animal it's it's he's just they're stuck on this shit it's not how that's not how it works that's not how any of this works well you remember like the dentist guy he said the same type of shit Mm -hmm. like they all have the same yeah because in their head it justifies isn't isn't this ridiculous fucking silly you know why don't we have uh germs giving birth to rabbits or whatever it was that he fucking said the fucking dentist all right next next thing okay in 2012, in an interview with Piers Morgan, he called homosexuality unnatural and detrimental and ultimately destructive to so many of the foundations of civilization. Okay. The drama. <laughs> in response to this, his TV dad, Alan Thick, the muffin top eater himself, <laughs> said, quote, I'm getting him some new books. The Old Testament sim- simply can't be expected to explain everything. <laughs> kind of a fan of old mte over there (laughs) the muffin top eater (laughs) even his own sister who has the same trash views as him has said the two have quote different ways of saying saying the same things which is her way to me of saying that she also thinks gays are bad and running civilization into destruction but you know i package it um prettier is basically what she's saying. She still has the same bigotry, but it's like Instagram friendly. Well, it's funny. She just got she she's in the news like this past week, actually, because she you know, she's the Christmas movie queen on Hallmark Channel mm-hmm. all these years. And she's moving from Hallmark Channel. to I forget the name of the other network. And she said that it'll focus on more traditional families. Lifetime. No, it's not like, no, no. Um, something Christian. It's like some, it's some Christian mm-hmm. network or whatever. And yeah, so the focus on traditional. So she got roasted for that. And of course she comes out and says, you know, for everybody focusing on this, I love every, you know, whatever. It's kind of like whatever you can say, whatever. I still love you, which I hate the whole. So I'm going to say I love everyone. Meanwhile, I'm going to say that, but the person you love and the way you've chosen to, you know, your family and whatever, I think mm-hmm. that's all detrimental to society. Yeah. And, you know, but I love you. Yeah. I fucking hate that shit. Yep. You don't get to say you love people and then hate. But but they're going to go with the whole, well, we hate the sin, not the person. And I hate that shit, too. <laughs> oh, Anyways. Man. That's the... <laughs> That's the Christian version of don't hate the play, hate the game. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> hate the sin, not the man. <laughs> oh, 100%. That's exactly what it is. So, yeah. So, she has her own. So, she's come out a couple times. When when stuff will stir up with Kirk, she ends up usually releasing same, something that she'll kind of like mm. sort of separate herself a little bit because she is like the... Like the, I'm like the Christian, I'm the cool Christian, yep. you know, she does like the, look at me and my ankle boots and my sweaters <laughs> that say stuff on that, you know, like yeah. she's that, like, mm-hmm. anyways, and I like ankle boots. I'm not talking shit about ankle boots. I'm just saying. <laughs> 
Okay, so railing on homosexuality yet again in 2014 in response to a mass wedding at the Grammy Awards, which also included heterosexual couples. Okay. Kirk said, how do you like the Grammys all out assault on the traditional family? Which is funny because the traditional family thing. Um, Then he says some bullshit promoting a movie and then (laughs) he says, now more than ever... We must work together to create the world we want for our children. Okay. Um, a world where we are accepting of people doing whatever the fuck they want to do, as long as they're not hurting others, is exactly the world I want. Mm-hmm. And that even though, like I will say this, even though he had a crappy mentality to religious people before he became one, part of, once again... Part of his statement was correct. Do whatever you, you want as long as it doesn't affect anybody else. But not now that he's one of them. It correct. So I, that's why I think like you used to have part of a correct mindset. And then now it's like, well, now that you're in it, you can push it. Mm-hmm. I just don't get the whole assault on traditional marriage thing. Because like, even if you disagree with it, how the fuck does it affect you is what yeah. I will never understand. And in my head, like... What does that do to our marriage? Mm-hmm. And my it? thing, too, is, like, what is what is a traditional marriage? Because it's not like they're all the same. Yeah. they're Like, they're not. I've known people that have very non-traditional, in their views, marriages that are fantastic people. And I've known people with traditional marriages that are trash people. And trash marriages. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I just... They're, they always act like everything's, like, a direct going to directly affect them because they're it turns into a victim because for them it always goes into you know how like when we talked about i don't understand why they rail on evolution and we came to like the well it's because they think that there's a chance that it'll take their kids out like and make their kids think and make mm-hmm. bring that i think it's less about themselves i think it's always about like the kids the kids they might see this and that might pull them out from under us they someone see, think of if, the children you know, if they see two people that love each other that could be dangerous. That could be real bad. Yeah. We wouldn't want yeah. them to see that. Yeah. Okay. So then in 2016, he told the Christian Post, quote, Wives are to honor and respect and follow their husband's lead, not to tell their husbands how he ought to be a better husband. When each person gets their part right, regardless of how their spouse is treating them, there is hope for real change in the marriage. So does that mean he's been a jerk to his wife and his wife was telling him how not to treat her? It's like, don't tell me what to do. Stick to the roles that I tell you you stick to. And, you know, it might get treated bad, but oh well, marriage. You know, <laughs> that's marriage. Yeah. Fucking garbage. <laughs> then in 2017, during Hurricane Irma, Kirk said, quote, one thing we know about hurricanes and all weather is that this is not Mother Nature in a bad mood. Nobody thinks that. Um, this is a spectacular display of God's immense power. When he puts his own power on display, it's never without reason. There's a purpose. And we may not always understand what that purpose is, but we know it's not random. And we know that weather is sent to, sent to cause us to respond to God in humility, awe, and repentance. Mind you, I wanted to point out that 135 people were killed by Hurricane Irma. So what a fucking asshole thing to say. Mm -hmm. And you're just a piece of shit. They must have been friends with gay people. 
Mm, that's it. Yeah, yep. that's what it is. Yep. Yep. It's just so, so trash. Me like, well, you know what happened for a reason. You're going to tell me that those 135 people. So, okay. So all the weather that happens where I can just see Candace Cameron now when things happen. <laughs> I'm just going to, I don't know why I'm choosing her over him, but just because she has that like influency presence where when things are happening in the world, she'll be like, I'm praying for blah, 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 blah. So if weather is about, a, has a purpose from God, what you praying about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. God is having it happen for a reason. Yeah. What the fuck you praying about? Yeah, that's so his thing. So stupid. Um, there's more because he's a never ending prick, but I'm going to stop there with his stuff and point it back towards the Duggars just a little bit. Okay. So not only will we see him in another future episode, this isn't the last time we see. He's America's sweetheart. There we go. Kurt Cameron. Um, but he also ends up attending Ben and Jess's wedding in the future. Oh. Which is just funny, right? Same couple that spouts off the same Darwin, resp- you know, being responsible for Hitler and the Nazis bullshit. So did he come with Roy Kaufman or whoever that guy's name is? Banana Man. Ray Comfort. Did did Roz Calhoun come? Banana Man. <laughs> um, Ray Comfort- I'm just gonna keep getting his name wrong. So Ray Comfort did not come, but I will say that it is funny. I I didn't end up writing it down, but. When they canceled, their, when TLC canceled the show, Ray Comfort put out like, well, I guess I won't be watching TLC anymore. It's like, oh. Well, TLC needs to think twice if Rich Coughlin is not going to be watching. <laughs> you can't lose the cough, you know. Okay, so about attending their wedding, Kirk went with his daughters and he said, quote, I want my daughters to see what it looks like when a couple re- <laughs> reserves their first kiss for at the altar. This kind of moral excellence and purity is rare today. I want a guy that honors and respects my daughters like Ben is respecting Jessa. But make I'm assuming he took his biological children and not his adopted children because they don't like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> leave yeah. leave those at home. Yeah. They could that, bring destruction. You that know? was in real they, fine. There could print. be financial, um, you know, all of a sudden like their finances go haywire. Yeah, you're paying for their sins, yeah. you know what I mean? So We're like, Do you know anything about their forefathers? Can we can we get some info on that first? <laughs> on the bottom of the invitation in real small font it said biological children only. So not only did Kirk and his daughters attend the wedding, they also attended the rehearsal dinner. And after the wedding, they went back to the Duggar house for volleyball, campfire songs, and dessert until 1.30 a.m. Oh, my goodness. Anything after midnight is Satan's time. So I am in shock. Shock, I tell you. I mean, I don't, you know, my mom always was like, nothing at, nothing good happens after midnight. So in Duggar, that would translate to like Satan's time. <laughs> You're on Satan's watch. It's the witching hour. Rebellion. No. Rebellion hour. You, know you don't want to know what happens if you down a pickle after midnight. I don't know. And that, my friends, is the saga of Kirk Cameron and his journey from atheism to evangelical douche canoe. <laughs> That's very nice. But uh, I did actually think of one more. Sorry. I, I didn't write it down because I'm like, uh, you know, I need to like scale it. Mm-hmm. But I'm just going to throw it in for fun. I remember it off the top of my head. In oh, 2013, perfect. he was going to promote something. I can't remember if it was a movie or blah, blah, blah. But mm-hmm. he went on Facebook to promote something and it got like taken down. And he like railed about like basic like 
they were silencing sense. the Christian yes. voice. It, yes, the, the whole mm. bullshit about that. But what it turns out is the domain that they bought used to be a spam site. So <laughs> it just got filtered out by Facebook. So that's what it was. It had nothing to do with being so, you know, persecuted as a victim, Christian. Victim. And then after it got restored, he was just like, and thank you, Facebook. They restored and blah, 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 blah. But never actually was just like, we were totally fucking wrong. But well, it's just so not. funny that they're always just like, we're so persecuted, yeah. you know, you know, all the time. You're the largest percentage of religious population in the country, but you're constantly persecuted. All the time. It's a war on Christmas. Yeah. You know. And like in 2020, he had like protests um, in the heart of COVID by doing caroling, maskless caroling in like large groups. And... uh <laughs> Candace came out and said that you know I think it is kind of funny when she puts out things to try to like separate herself she was like I follow the guidelines of masks and you know not going out and like well yeah. blah, blah, blah. So I was like that's some shade on her brother but <laughs> um one thing I just did want to touch on so his earlier comment of being a devout atheist like I don't like who am I I don't know for sure of course this is just me speculating but I find that a little suspect. I feel like a lot of times with these deep in it converts, they always have to come with, they, they feel the need to come with this story. And if they have this, if they say something, it sounds more believable or sounds mm-hmm. better. So I, I don't know, like, were you really a devout atheist or... Or did you just not think about it? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, I just don't fully buy it i could be wrong but I, i'm just not fully buying what he's picking you know what he's putting down and to use their own verbiage it makes the whole you know god doing a work in the heart <laughs> it makes it sound better to them at least if it mm-hmm. sounds like oh th- this huge change yeah so if you remember back to pa keller many many deep dives ago mm-hmm. when priscilla said quote God truly redeemed my dad's life from sin and gave him a tremendous freedom from the past. Mm -hmm. That AMA from Anna's childhood friend, when they were asked if they knew kind of anything about Pa's background, Mm -hmm. she said Pa rode a motorcycle and smoked cigarettes. Oh. Whoa. I imagine him looking like the Fonz. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Totally. Hey. He always had a pack of smokes rolled up rolled in his up sleeves. In his sleeve. yep. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He always had a comb t- with a with a really greasy pompadour, and he would stand in front of the the mirror and very hold... cuffed denim. Mm-hmm. You know? He would hold the comb up and then realize it was already perfect, so he would just shrug. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> so I just feel like that's a such a representation of how they love to embellish, mm-hmm. like. God, I was on such a bad path until I found God. Mm. It just... Well, like I'm transposing my kind of religious life onto this. And my difference is I don't care. But the reason why I went to church was for community. But if somebody was like, how did you find your faith? I would be embarrassed to tell them that I went because I liked hanging out with kids that were my age. Yeah, you know you what have I mean? to have a... So there has to be some sort of serious story because if I tell them I was a little lonely, 
I needed community of people that kind of believed like-minded things as me. That sounds embarrassing. But they want to hear a big thing, like my friend. Because it reaffirms them. Yeah, and it makes the power of God sound that much more powerful. Mm. I remember when my friend saying like she hated going to like camp because they would they would go through everybody in the room and they'd be like what's your what are you feeling bad about right and like they were trying to force something out of you and I, my friend was just like I don't have anything like I don't feel like I've done anything wrong like I don't think that I'm a shit person but they they want because it's part of the manipulation of like yeah. you're a sinner confess your sin and then God will help you like was that the cry night story yeah well yeah that's. One of several. Camp is so fucking manipulative, but that could be another topic. I will go off. I I would have personal moments with that one. Yeah. So we'll um, we'll talk about that in some point. (laughs) But so, yeah, that's kind of just my thoughts on like the devout atheist thing. I'm like, I just know not entirely. Yeah. Buying that. But Mm -hmm. whatever. I think he just grew up in a home that wasn't religious. Religious. And, and feels then, bad about it now. Yeah. And it's just mm-hmm. like, well, this just sounds great if I yeah. really make it seem like the two versions of myself. Yeah. They're so extreme. My awful parents. And then they're like super supportive. Yeah. Well, um, if he talks very highly. Uh, he talks pretty like highly of his parents and like whatever. But, you know. It kind of reminds me of um, community. I'm, I'm a reference. You guys are learning slowly the horror that Whitney has to live with. Is that the horror? Most of my life is like references to things. So, um, but in the show Community, um, one of the characters always talks about like her parents and they're always trying to push their ideals on her. And you like for a season, like it makes it sound like she has these overbearing, like awful parents. And then when you meet them, they're like sweethearts. And it's just because she wants to be rebellious. Like, that's that's my awful, (laughs) awful, non-religious parents. And then they're just nice people. Yep. Yeah. He said his mom baked, like, chocolate chip cookies for the cast, like, the crew, like, every week. Satan's cookies? Yeah, you know. Well, my connection with Kirk Cameron was obviously Growing Pains. But I remember that the Left Behind series came out when I was in, uh, like, seventh or eighth grade and i remember everybody at church was into him because for compared to other kind of like christian literature it was kind of like dark like it was heavy it dealt with like heavy themes you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so for us it was that thing we're like cool we're we're reading something that's in vogue in the moment that has some kind of darker ideas but it still fits along with our belief system. So I remember. It was like edgy. Oh, yeah. I remember. My parents probably still You know, when I think edgy, I think of Kirk Cameron in Christian films. (laughs) But I will tell you, I read the first two books. I think my dad bought me the third one and I never cracked it. And I will say this. I remember renting Left Behind from the library, like around that time as well. When it when the movie came out, and I remember watching about fifteen minutes of it and being like, "This movie's awful," and turning it off. Hmm. So, we'll we'll do a rewatch at some point. You know, it was no fireproof. Let me oh, tell you. Oh yeah, you know, <laughs> well, you know, once you've seen fireproof, <sighs> ruins you for all other yep. movies after that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like you leave them behind. Oh goodness! Oh, any <laughs> So. 
that was my thoughts on his, you know, devout atheism. And mm. just like the final thing I just kind of wanted to mention was his alienation from everyone, how he completely isolated himself, mm-hmm. which, you know, these evangelical types, they, they love to say that they love everyone, as we kind of talked about earlier. And then they pull shit like this, where it's like, you, you, you then you just want to, you know, associate with these people because mm-hmm. they're not just like you. Certainly didn't sound like there was some seedy, you know, sitcom stuff going on on the set. It didn't mm-hmm. sound like this was some s- terrible, sinful things going on right. that he needed to separate himself from. Correct. Or, you know, bad behavior. Like, I just mm-hmm. don't. So why can't you have a new faith but still associate with the same people? Mm-hmm. Doesn't seem very Christ-like to me, you know. <laughs> And think about the people that were working on that show. Every producer and like camera person and mic person and audio and editors, all those people when all that shit was going down and he was this he turned into this person, they were probably like, I'm just trying to work and go home. Like you know yeah. what I mean? Like I'm just trying to do my job and now I gotta have this like nineteen year old kid pretend like he's better than me now well yeah and it does it totally gives off a vibe of like no oh now you think you're too good for us and with the rewriting of scenes and wanting things different Mm -hmm. it's like oh all of a sudden like we don't have morals and you do like Mm -hmm. it it just puts yourself on such a A fucking high horse pedestal where you Mm -hmm. just think you're better than everybody else exceptionalism it's like it never that never goes over well okay it's just never gonna fucking work and it's just so much for loving everyone, but you know, but I love you. I just cannot associate with you. And I, I think your lifestyle is destroying the fabric of our society. Which is not. I even. I. I get why you said the word, but I hate when people call it a lifestyle. I'm like, it's not fucking. Nobody calls me being straight my lifestyle. <laughs> like being heterosexual, they're like, well, your lifestyle. It's like nobody <laughs> fucking calls it that for me. Yeah. Why do we call it that for them? Mm-hmm. It's it, it's stupid. Yeah. But that's just how we've been. What they call it. They're like, mm-hmm. well, I don't agree with your lifestyle, but I love you. Yeah. Fuck and I think off. you, it is interesting when you see things like that where it's um, like leftover items from a time when our, when like American society was way more religious based. Yeah. And I think you see a lot of these things that are still kind of holdovers like that, like the verbiage that's used about certain things or. Things not being able to be done on Sunday. Like that was one I kept thinking about where there's certain places where like you're not open on Sunday because it's because it's the church day. You know what I mean? Yes. So. Oh, Kirk. Oh, no longer America's heartthrob, Kirk Cameron. Nope. So I know it was not specifically Doug or IBLP, but I hope you guys, you know, I just feel like. The story of someone going from an extreme to another is interesting to me, kind of, no matter who it is. Especially with all their parents. Yeah. So, yep. That's it. Yep. So, the huge. You can look us up on the Instagrams. You can mm-hmm. see some visuals, which this week will definitely include the <laughs> yellowing underwear of uh, Lego. <laughs> and you can email us at diggingupthedougars at Gmail. Mm-hmm. You can buy us a pickle buymeacoffee.com slash digging up the Doug. And I hope you are having a wonderful Thanksgiving if you're in the United States. If you're anywhere else, I hope you're just having a wonderful week. (laughs) And we will catch you again next week.